0: This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder.
1: Women have successfully broken the glass ceiling in a number of professions, but there are still barriers. Joining me now, Dr. Marlene Neal, who is Associate Professor and Graduate Program Director in Baylor's School of Journalism, Public Relations, and New Media Department. Good to have you with us.
0: Thank you, Anne. Marlene.
1: Marlene, you've co-authored a new book. It's called PR Women with Influence, Public Relations, Your... Bailiwick. But I would suspect in a lot of different professions, what you found
0: in your research could apply. Absolutely. Because, um, particularly, there's still some challenges for women in general when it comes to advancing into senior leadership positions. And we see that across the nation and even across the world that there's still some barriers that keep women from assuming those most senior roles in organizations.
1: In public relations, in particular, you know, a lot of women. A lot of you know spokeswomen for organizations and that kind of thing, but still it's it's not as equally representative between women and men in the in the top positions,
0: yes. And so what we're finding is even though maybe seventy eighty percent of the professionals in the public relations field are women. When it comes to the senior ranks, you're only looking about maybe 20, 30 percent of the senior leaders are women. And so we're wondering what's behind this gap and why do we continue to see this, even though there's been studies that have been been conducted since the 1980s? Why are we still seeing this today? It's just shocking. And of course, what we found is that we're seeing some of those same barriers that uh, women are having trouble overcoming. And particularly, you can imagine uh, family and career, it continues to be a challenge, even though companies... Are offering programs uh, for women to be able to have some flexibility in their scheduling. They're not taking advantage of those because they feel like that could harm their chances for career advancement. So even though those programs are out there in some companies, not all, but even though some companies are offering some initiatives, there's this kind of uh, behind the scenes view that you can't really use those flex time programs. And so I'm not sure why that still exists, but there needs to be some efforts on behalf of companies to communicate to women that they do want to work with them Um on helping them achieve this kind of balance so they continue to pursue their careers while raising their families and that um, they don't want to lose this talent um, from the workforce. And I know it's especially challenging right now with the pandemic because there's a lot of women that are having to um, help their children with their schoolwork. Oh yes. And I, I do worry They've about become a
1: homeschool teacher on top of everything else they're doing.
0: And so I think uh, there's even more reason for concern about what can we do to make sure that we don't even lose the ground that we've gained when it comes to women in leadership positions. Well, let's
1: talk about the book and, and the genesis of it. How did this all come about? And let's talk about your co-author.
0: Tell me about uh, your co-author. My co-author is Dr. Duan Ming, and she's from University of Georgia. And she's done a lot of studies in the past on leadership and public relations in general. And so I wanted to work with her. And so we had met each other at some academic conferences and events, and talked about collaborating on a project. And we looked at a few other things first, but this is the direction that we decided to go. And there was actually a book proposal competition uh, through our professional association um, called AJMC, or the Association for Education and Journalism and Mass Communication. And so there was this competition where we submitted our pr- proposal, and it was a blinded process where the membership of the organization, other public relations um, actually uh, other journalism educators, did not know the identity of the authors, but they okay. voted on the actual topics. And we were one of the few proposals that was s- selected from a national search of pr- uh, proposals for uh, this book series through the publisher, Peter Lang.
1: And and so the, the actual proposal was what?
0: I mean, what, what was
1: your focus was on on barriers to women advancing, or, or was it other things?
0: No, we were focused specifically on exploring what was happening with women in leadership and why are we still continuing to see these gaps, what's really going on, and what are the issues today, and have they changed over the years? And bottom line is... They haven't really that much. (laughs) We've seen some gains when it comes Uh to women assuming mid-management positions, but we're still seeing that gap at the top levels. And so that continues to be a concern. And even when women are achieving those positions, um, I know you'll react to this one when I tell you this account. It was pretty amazing. I was talking with... Several different women, no question specifically prompting this response, but they all told this exact same story uh, about seven of the different women that we talked to. And there was a situation where you're in a board meeting, and a woman shares this idea. and no one seems to pay any attention and then a few minutes later a male suggests the same idea and it's the most brilliant idea ever and <laughs> what am i a potted plant <laughs> exactly they called it hidden in plain sight um, but oh, why God. in the world are why, is that? why yeah. are they not listening to women and in fact some there was one woman who told a story about a time where she actually had to physically stand up to get attention in the boardroom with a bunch of men and what ha- is happening is there's very few women in the boardroom and so there's maybe two or three maybe at the around a big table. And so it's they're having difficulty being heard, even when they assume those positions. And well, the one that's there is taking notes because you're the secretary or so and so that continues to be a challenge is even being heard mm-hmm. when they're in those positions. A lot of times when you're thinking about the boardroom, it might be a human resources officer, a senior um, The officer in human resources that might be in the boardroom, of course, public relations is one of those areas. But a lot of the positions, particularly operations, engineering, continue to be fulfilled by men. And so that makes it even harder for women to be heard. And another reason that they another uh, thing that they have to do as a consequence of that is actually seek men as I- allies when they have ideas to make sure that they're being heard. And that's another common phenomenon that we saw in our study is that need to share their ideas with other men and build their support. And then <laughs> together they raise these issues.
1: Well, you know, we're work, working together is always going to be a good thing. Yes. So, so, so that, I guess that part of, part of it is good. Um, what was the biggest takeaway you? took from the research that you did?
0: What I really liked that was brought home by several of the participants is the importance of advocates. We hear a lot about like the collaborating with other people. A little bit different than that. Um, So what I'm referring to is we hear a lot about mentorship, but Mm -hmm. they made a distinction between an advocate. So a mentorship is someone you typically go to for career advice and direction that provides counsel for you. But an advocate is someone in authority in a a powerful position who advocates for you to make sure that you are awarded opportunities for um, growth um, and career opportunities. And so it's someone that has a position of power that can advocate for you so that you're given positions and growth opportunities inside of an organization. So typically, this is someone inside of an organization. And they pointed out that women, and also particularly women of color, find it difficult to find that advocate, someone who's willing to be that champion for you and speak up for you and make sure that you are offered opportunity for growth in an organization. So I think that's a gap that a lot of times young professionals are not aware of is that need to um, develop those relationships and find someone who's willing to be that champion for you. So how do you find that person? Well, it has to do with building relationships inside the organization. And some of that comes from Identifying people in the organization that you admire, uh, that you respect, and then reaching out to them to learn more about their position and what they do, and um, showing genuine genuine interest in them. So it's all about relationship building in general, the things that we should be doing anyway. But it's identifying people that are willing to do that, who are caring and want to groom the next generation. And the other challenge with that is a lot of times when it comes to mentoring, people are really focused on people who are like themselves. Mm -hmm. So again, that can be a challenge for for women and also women of color in particular, because if you don't resemble someone else, they may not be as drawn to grooming someone that's not like themselves. So that's the other thing that we need senior leaders to be aware of is that tendency and to be open, to willing to open their networks op- to these um, other professionals to give them the opportunity so that we can see more diversity in our leadership and organizations and um, bring these young professionals along in the organization so that they can prepare for that um, advancement and continued growth in the organization. So you have that next generation that's prepared for those positions.
1: Your publishers, that was one area they really asked you to focus more on, is is the the role of minority women in in the workplace and how to help them advance.
0: Yes. And so some of the things that came out of that is particularly, I know, uh, for African-American women, uh, they feel a lot of times that that people have lower expectations for them, which um, they had that phrase of hidden plain sight that one of the participants used, where they feel like they're often overlooked um, and that people have low expectations for them and kind of this gee whiz attitude when someone is smart and brilliant and um, has the, the, the characteristics that we're looking for in leaders. And so that was something that they felt like they had to overcome. And I also saw this um experience with uh, some of the african-american women in my study that they actually felt like they expected to face challenges in balancing career and family that career advancement was very important for them and they understood that they had to make sacrifices to move up in their career so you saw a strong commitment there and also there have been um, african-american women working in public relations longer time frame than maybe some other groups. And so there were some mentors in that field who we refer to as pioneers Mm -hmm. who were willing to help the younger generation and mentor them to help show them the ropes. And so that was encouraging. I saw that less with Latina and Hispanic females that there's not as many in the profession. So it's more difficult for them to find Hispanic and Latina role models who are willing to Uh, show them the ropes and so I think it's a little bit more challenging for them as well as the fact that they face this challenge from a multicultural standpoint of being typecast what we referred to as um, I'm I'm losing the term Um, but anyway they're 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 pigeonholed that's what it is pigeonholed and so they're not wanting to move them from their their tactical roles of doing translation of material communication materials because it's important what they're skills are. Yes. And so they're typecast where they're mm-hmm. pigeonholed into this role of being someone who only can do multicultural or bilingual campaigns and they don't consider them for more mainstream positions. And that's the challenge that they've faced in particular is not, not being considered uh, for management positions because they have been pigeonholed and limited to these more tactical roles. Mm, okay. Um, you
1: had the opportunity though to talk specifically <laughs> to a number of women, local Yes, Women I did. Leaders. A- any names you could share with us? Or I or can't
0: because we guaranteed confidentiality. Okay. Okay. But I will tell you that um, even within the experiences locally, I found some examples of discrimination and really? when it came to someone uh, who was a practitioner of color. And then also I found someone who had to step back from her career due to family issues. And so she has had to... It's taken her longer to get back to where she was because she had to step away as a single mom to spend time um, helping care for a child. And so that uh, set her back in her career. So there were some interesting stories locally, even though I cannot mm-hmm. specifically name those folks.
1: Right, right. I, I get that. So the questions um, that you asked them, can you kind of go through them? What 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 types of things did you want to know for this particular study?
0: We asked them questions around issues such as how would they define influence, um, specific examples of times they were influential and what kind of approaches they used to be influential. We talked to them about mentoring and the difference that that made in their career and what they looked for in a mentor, what advice they would have for young women who are interested in careers and leadership, and then some of the barriers that they had faced, whether it was um, uh, barriers within the organization, balancing career and family, So there was a whole range of topics that we looked at, and just getting a sense of what does the the path to leadership look like, and how have you been able to be successful? Because these were all women in mid-management and senior-level positions, Mm -hmm. so we were looking for advice for young women of how do you get there, what did you do, what challenges did you face, and how did you overcome those?
1: I would presume it was everything from education to health or, you know...
0: We didn't get into health so okay. much, no. Um, but dealing with—I mean, I health, think of yeah.
1: physicians, you know, oh, women okay. physicians and that kind of stuff.
0: So. No, no, the women that we talked to were all in the field of public, in relations. public relations. Yes. All right,
1: I, I got you. So, uh, so it was. This is um, something that you know. We talk about mentorship. Um, I guess what was the best advice you were hearing from them who are in these upper level positions professionally?
0: When it comes to mentorship sure, specifically, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. um, I love this answer because of the fact that I, I like this concept of that, of b- have, building a personal cabinet. That was the terminology that they used. And so mm. the fact that you're not just looking for one mentor, which a lot of times we think about, you're just a, one singular yeah, person. Yeah, one-on-one a, one <laughs> kind of person that you're going to go to. But actually instead seeking a um a variety of different types of mentors so people within your organization people outside your organization maybe that even work in a different field that can give you some advice about working with professionals in other industries mm-hmm. we um also talked about the importance of having mentors who are both male and female and then even maybe looking into um mentors from a different ethnicity, and even reverse mentoring where you have people in your network that are maybe younger than you. And so having this diverse um, cabinet of advisors that you can go to for counsel and advice and get different perspectives. And I thought that was great advice of doing that. In addition, they talked about how to actually approach and recruit a mentor. And with that, uh, they recommended that you just set up a lunch with someone, a a casual conversation to see if even they're a good fit Mm -hmm. and, you know, coffee with someone. So it's pretty easy to just kind of get a a good feeling whether or not that person's a good fit without making a long-term commitment.
1: Yeah. I love what you say about going to the younger, younger person, because yeah, I mean, so much of particularly new media, I mean, they've, they're just so much more savvy about that than, you know, somebody my age.
0: Yes, and so I like that concept of reverse uh-huh. mentoring as well. Um, so there was some wonderful advice, and I think that helps demystify that process of mm-hmm. how to recruit a mentor when it comes to young professionals.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about you, Marlene. What brought you to Central Texas? I know you're at Baylor. Um, were you a Baylor alum as well? or?
0: No, I'm actually um, a graduate of the University of Kansas for my undergraduate degree, Mm -hmm. and then um, I moved to um, Texas uh, for my first job as a television reporter. And I I remember when you worked at Channel 6. Yes, I was at KCN, and I worked there for three and a half years, and then I transitioned to work in public relations, ended up pursuing my master's degree online through the University of Missouri. I remember
1: when you did that as
0: well. And eventually my PhD through UT Austin, and um, while I was, after I finished, about halfway through the master's program at University of Missouri, I started teaching part time at Baylor and decided to go back for my PhD so that I could pursue a full time career in teaching.
1: And you uh, are tenured, tenured, I believe. Yes. I, I remember. Of course, I follow you on on Facebook, and we we see each other at church as well. And I know
0: you had some amazing mentors along the way yourself. Yeah. I have been blessed with some amazing mentors. I will tell you that. It's kind of strange to think, but my professor at KU uh, that I had as an undergrad, we kept in touch all these years. And I kind of joked that whenever he agreed to be my faculty advisor at the time, that we, he, he, he signed on for life. Right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was one of my first t- mentors. And then here in Waco, there's some longtime public relations professionals that have been quite influential, including Gene Hall and Carol Perry, at uh, Kim Patterson yeah. and MCC. So oh, there's yeah. a lot of great folks there. And then um, I had some wonderful mentors in education. Um Media, Moody Ramirez, who is our department chair now, and then uh, Dr. Um, Mimi Drumright at UT Austin, who happens to be a Baylor grad. Yep. I happen to find the only um, Baylor grad on the UT faculty in that particular department to be my faculty mentor. Yeah, in fact,
1: I think she was a Baylor beauty or maybe homecoming queen. She I was. was a student back there. I know that yes. name as well. So, uh, yeah, some amazing folks that have that have helped you along the way, absolutely um, in your career. Um, so, you, so you're. Waco now. I mean, you you live here. This is, yes. this is home for you. Um, where do you see yourself, you know, in the next five, 10 years?
0: Well, <laughs> that's interesting to think about. Um, I um, do have some interest in leadership, and so I'm hoping to continue to have some opportunities with that. I've been doing some service through some national organizations, and that's where I got my first opportunity. In fact, one of the things that you will be encouraged to hear is that when it comes to ex- early experience in leadership, some of the participants talked about their experience with Junior League mm-hmm. as being uh, one of the experiences oh, that no they first had. About
1: it. Yeah, I, I need to have Junior League folks on the podcast so, because, yeah, it's incredible how they – they do provide the opportunity for women to become leaders.
0: Yes, and so sorry about that side note there, but uh, for me, um, I want to pursue some additional training and leadership to prepare myself for opportunities in that area. Right now, I'm a graduate program director at Baylor, and so I don't know what opportunities may open in the future with that.
1: Well, and that's, I, that's a pretty big deal, When I, I saw that on your resume. That's... Yeah. You know, when when did that start? When did you start?
0: This is my second year second in that year. role, mm-hmm. and so I know don't know what op- opportunities may open up for me in leadership in the future. So I'd like to seek some additional training with that. I'm continuing to do research when it comes to ethics and leadership, and so I plan to continue that. I just finished my second book, so I don't know if I will uh, have any opportunities to do some additional books, but I plan to continue to do some additional research and stu- research studies in the near future.
1: Well, ethics is, and that's something we haven't really touched that much on. yet in this but that kind of was a was a key part of this book as well
0: yes that that was um my area of focus um in particular because i have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. um, with ethics research and so um but both of us did um studies um I did the um, interviews related to ethical leadership and then my co-author did the work um, with the survey related to ethical leadership. But uh, that was the area where I brought in a little bit more experience. Of course, she had um, more experience in the area of leadership more generally. Um, But yes, we looked into what is it... what does it look like to be an ethical leader in public relations? What are the characteristics of that? And then how do you provide ethics counsel inside of an organization? So those are the issues that we explored specifically in this book.
1: Then what are the biggest ethical challenges to someone in public relations?
0: Well, the challenges they face have to do with um, being truthful and how forthright to be with information. Right. How much How much do you let them know? Um, yeah. And I think that's just... Um, embodied in the job itself Mm -hmm. and we see that even with the national offices and you know government and how how open to be with the public and sharing information persons and how yeah
1: how they're but they have to be so careful because they're talking on behalf of an elected leader maybe
0: yes and so i think that's the main issue but you do have some issues that we're facing right now with um deception and misinformations out there that's out there and how to handle that. And then there's some issues just with um, in the workplace that you see nationally where there's situations where there's some executive misbehavior and how you respond to that. And so um, whether it's um, Accounting fraud that might happen inside of an organization, or it's things around sexual harassment. There's all kinds of issues that can arise inside of an organization, and how do you handle those organizational issues um, that have an impact on the organization?
1: well, in in mores, you know of a society, those those things have changed as we have become way more aware of harassment and and a lot of the issues that women have had to face no matter what, you know, in the, in the workplace, um, has there been
0: a big improvement in that as far as you can tell? Some of the women that I talked to actually had experienced that early on in their careers, particularly those in more senior positions. Um, but I didn't hear as many stories about that from some of the younger participants, but definitely there were examples of uh, some some women that shared examples of times in their career when they had faced that and how they had addressed those situations. Mm,
1: I think, yeah, I think
0: men maybe have become a lot
1: more aware of what not to say, yes, <laughs> how, how not to behave. I hope. I hope. Um, it's... Um, it, it's just such an interesting topic and a, a wonderful thing that you've done uh, with your co-author to, to, to put all this together, because uh, it was my understanding in, 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 reading the book that, you know, this, this is information that's sort of been out there, but it, but it still needed to really be brought to light mm-hmm. and, and just a, a necessary book that, I mean, you see this being used maybe as a, as a text or as something that, Students will be required
0: to read? Yes. We're, our hope is that this would be used in some leadership classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, there's been more leadership classes that are being developed in universities. We have one that's um, just been approved at Baylor University that we're going to be offering for our students, um, specifically addressing leadership skills and um, management skills. And so I think that's something that universities programs should include is uh, some sk- programs that do address the needs um, as far as how to manage your co and work work. Manage uh, people in your organization, work with people that might be considered a little bit difficult, and how to um, navigate those situations, how to handle crises, how to do um, long-term planning, strategic planning. Those are all things that students need to learn to prepare them for careers later on in management. So how can folks get a, you know, how could they get a copy of this book? It's available online through any of your major publishing sites. Um, So you can choose those and do a search online. But the name of the book is, of course, Women. And um, public relations with PR women of influence uh, breaking through the ethical leadership challenges. And so they can just do a search for that and find the book online.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ethics being a, a integral part of, of the research that you did on this. Well, I'd love to end these little visits with a questionnaire. It's similar to the one the late great James Lipton used on Inside the Actors yeah. Studio. You're shaking your head. Yes, you're familiar, familiar with that. The question is,
0: um, what is your favorite word Hmm, I have to think for a second. It's not something that just comes to mind. Well, let's go ahead and just say ethics because I do a lot of research in that area. Yeah, you focus a lot on that. Yes. What,
1: what is your least favorite word? Hmm. I have to think.
0: I would say no, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because yeah. we do get rejections um, when it comes mm. to publications. And so you have to get overcome that. So, yes. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: you probably have to develop a little bit of a tough skin, a little yes. thick skin um, in, in all of this. What turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally?
0: Um, I, it goes back again to that first answer, and that has to do with ethics. Um, I like that focus and being able to contribute to helping people live out their faith um, and their beliefs and finding ways that we can um, act, act those out in our lives um, and live those out. What turns you off then, creatively or spiritually or emotionally? Uh, Probably busyness. And I think that's a case for a lot of people where you don't take the time to reflect and think through things. If you're under a lot of pressure and deadlines, sometimes it's hard to be creative.
1: What sound do you love the most? Piano music. Oh, really? (laughs) Do you play? I used to. (laughs) Yeah. Well played piano. Yeah. Something lovely. What is your least favorite sound?
0: Things like um, nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> I'm
1: sure you hear that. Yeah, I know. you're the first person who said that. But that's the first thing oh, it goes up my back for sure. What other profession would you have liked to try?
0: Hmm. Because I've done several now. I've, yes, I've done television. I've television edu- education. Done, yeah. Yes. Uh huh. I have to think for that. On that for a second.
1: When you were a little girl, what did you want to do?
0: Well, I wanted to be a singer. So okay. so that was. Well, why are you not in the choir? Is <laughs> my question then. I did used to do that, but it's a time commitment, just generally. No, know. But but yes. Um, so I guess you could say singer musician. Um, I, because I used to play piano and I used to sing.
1: Oh, good. I did not know that I did. That's great. Um, what profession do you know you would not want to do?
0: Accounting, I think, because just as I've heard it's very repetitive, and I like the variety in our job. Maybe. Yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: You could. Can be a lot more creative, I guess. And there's and then you have to spin the PR story about why they got creative with their accounting, right? Anyway, uh, what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates?
0: I think that, that phrase you always hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I think that's what we all want to hear.
1: Yeah, that's how we want to live our lives. Marlene, Neil, thank you so much, Doctor sure. Neil. With the work that you've done at Baylor, again, the name of uh, of your book is "Women in PR." The rest of it is yeah, it's um, P- PR Women with Influence Breaking Through the Ethical and Leadership Challenges. Breaking through the ethical leadership challenges, and and uh, I do appreciate the the level of commitment and passion and and excellence that you're bringing to uh, the School of Journalism at Baylor. I near and dear to my heart as well.
0: are you building a new business while managing a family are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short then there's a podcast made just for you baking your business from scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love come join us and see for yourself this has been the Rogue Media Network Podcast.